You're listening to the Oddscast, the original UFC betting podcast that's straight to the point. Hosted by leading MMA oddsmaker Nick Kalikas and MMA journalist Brian Hemminger, they provide you the absolute best UFC betting info, picks, statistics, and analysis from the most respected authority in mixed martial arts betting. MMAoddsbreaker.com. Don't place your wagers without us. Welcome to the Oddscast. I'm Brian Hemminger, joined today by leading mixed martial arts oddsmaker Nick Kalikas of Circus Sports to break down this Wednesday's UFC Fight Island 8 event, which takes place in Abu Dhabi. If you're unfamiliar with our format, Nick and I will break down the fight card from top to bottom, providing extensive analysis and a pick for each fight after doing our film study for the event. UFC Fight Island 8 features a 14-fight card in total and will be aired on ESPN Plus and ESPN this Wednesday morning. Let's dive right in. Now, kicking things off on the preliminary card is a women's flyweight bout featuring a pair of UFC newcomers in Victoria Leonardo, who is 8-2, and two, and Manon Fioro, who is 5-1. and one. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? A couple quick notes before we get started here. The opening betting odds that I will be quoting are from MMAoddsbreaker.com, our opening betting odds article, UFC on ESPN 20, Kiesa versus Magni. So make sure you head over to the website and check that out. Also, the updated betting odds are courtesy of CircaSports.com. If you're ever in Vegas, make sure you head over to Circa Las Vegas on Fremont Street. It is an absolute amazing hotel and casino resort. Uh, stadium swim that we have going on right now is just awesome um the best place to bet the fights the best place to watch the fights so head over to circle las vegas you will not be disappointed and also this tuesday morning 9 a.m eastern make sure you head over to ufc fight pass and check out ufc on the line for ufc 257 i can't wait um, we got a great show coming your way and that's where we'll have all our picks and bets of course for the ufc 257 card so make sure you head over to fight pass and check us out now getting right into the first fight of the night we have leonardo that opened minus 110. The comeback on Firo opened at minus 110 as well. All right. Currently over at Circus Sports, Firo is now minus 185. The comeback on Leonardo at plus 160. So everybody coming in on Firo. I get it. I mean, she's the hype prospect for sure. She's a striker. She's got more to her game than just striking. I mean, she does look for takedowns. and She has some good ground and pound. So she should be able to beat Leonardo on the feet. I think she is definitely capable of doing so she's faster she's more effective in her striking technique but Leonardo's tough man I mean I think she's going to push forward she has a little bit of power in her hands and she's not going to shy away from a fist fight but at the same time she's capable of taking the fight to the floor and then on the floor I think she will have a pretty big advantage especially if she can get top position here um, and I think she can do enough damage to maybe even finish this fight so I don't know I'm not as I guess sold on Fiero as as most of you betters out there that are already taking this line. I think this fight probably hits the scorecards and is a lot more competitive than most people are anticipating. If that's the case, um, but again, I could see Fiero kind of busting up Leonardo along the way, maybe getting a late stoppage, so to speak, as well. So we'll see how it plays out. But I'm not as confident. I'm going to slightly lean Fiero because I do see the upside in her, and I think she's going to continue to get better. Um, but right now, I think Leonardo is definitely going to give her a fight, and she's going to have her hands full. So my pick is Fiero, but this one should be probably pretty close. I agree that this could be close, but it just depends because uh, Leonardo is, I would say, slightly more well-rounded. She's kind of the jack-of-all-trades, master of none. She's also more experienced, having uh, been in there against uh, some pretty decent fighters. Uh, she's faced uh, Miranda Maverick twice, um, both in uh, Invicta, once in a regular Invicta event, and then also on uh, the Phoenix series. And she's also participated in multiple other Invicta fights. And then most recently, she won uh, against Chelsea Hackett in a uh, contender series. So, you know, she's definitely been in there against some uh, decent female fighters in some of the best uh, women's promotions. But um, I still think that she's kind of not really particularly great at any one skill where uh, Fioro, I mean, she is a very good striker. Um, having uh, seen several of her fights now, she has really good striking technique, good power, good pace. She throws combinations well, and she'll mix in uh, offensive takedowns. So uh, she's somebody that you should not be sleeping on. Uh, I think Fioro is one of the better fighters in the women's uh, flyweight division that had not signed with the UFC yet. So I'm really excited to, to see what she brings. Now, 
if this stays standing, I think Fioro dominates. But where uh, Leonardo has an, a chance is if she can drag this to the floor because uh, she did survive early against uh, Chelsea Hackett in her last fight, getting hurt even, but then came back, got top position, and then finished the fight with ground and pound. So if she can drag Fioro to the ground and go to work, she can win. But other than that, I think Fioro lights her up on the feet. And we have seen uh, Leonardo get knocked out before as well. She uh, got knocked out with a head kick against Aaron Blanchfield at Invicta 39. And that was, you know, just last year. So uh, it totally could happen again. Uh, I could see uh, Fioro just going to work on the feet. So I'm going to go Fioro, but I'm concerned about the takedowns. Now, moving up to the Bantamweight division, we have Umar Nurmagomedov, who is 12-0, taking on Sergei Morozov, who is 16-3. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Nurmagomedov, minus 625. Morozov, plus 450. Right now, looking over Circa Sports, we're seeing Nurmagomedov, minus 485. The comeback on Morozov at plus 385. So, line tightened up a little bit, dropping for the dog, I think that's probably right as far as the line being a slightly overpriced. I mean, of course, Nurmagomedov has the family name, um, and he is just a, a dynamic, explosive wrestler with some striking skill, and he's always improving. He's a good young fighter, but he's got his hands full with uh, Murzov. I mean, Murzov is definitely a very capable fighter in his own right. He's well-rounded. He's faced decent competition as well. He's got pretty good striking. So this is going to be a lot closer than the odds indicate. I think you still have to side with uh, Nurmagomedov in this spot, but um, I don't know. It's, I think it's a kind of a dog or pass situation, to be honest with you. But that said, I think Nurmagomedov does get this fight done, probably c- controls a little bit more of it. The striking exchanges are going to be very close, but I think ultimately it is his wrestling and his grappling that's going to probably edge this fight out. But again, I'm expecting it to be far more competitive than the current odds indicate, and I'm picking uh, Nurmagomedov to win, though. Yeah, I, I definitely think that the odds are completely out of whack for this fight. I understand that Nurmagomedov is a huge prospect that's making his UFC debut here and there's a ton of hype behind him based on what he's done in PFL um, and then uh, all around uh, the world in his competitions I mean this guy is a legit top talent really good striker really good ground game um, but Morozov solid too I mean this guy has been fighting in M1 for uh, ages I mean uh, dating back to 2014 was his first time he ever fought in M1. Um, he's had almost like 20 bouts there and, uh, he's on a five fight win streak. He has heavy, heavy hands, really good boxing skill. So on the feet, I think Morozov, if stays in the pocket, he's going to have a chance, but obviously if it goes to the floor, um, I think, uh, Nurmagomedov is going to dominate him. Um, the last time uh, Morozov lost, it was against a UFC caliber opponent. Uh, Mofsar Evloev, really good fighter, uh, was able to submit him on the ground. So um, if Nurmagomedov gets the floor, he wins on the feet. I still think Morozov uh, is probably not quite at that same level as Nurmagomedov on the feet, just because Nurmagomedov mixes up his strikes more, um, better kicks. So I'm going to go Nurmagomedov wherever this fight takes place, but I do think that it's not going to be as big a blowout as the odds indicate. But again, Nurmagomedov is my pick. Now moving up to the lightweight division, we have Mike Davis, who is 8-2, and two, taking on UFC newcomer Mason Jones, who is 10-0. Now Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Davis open minus 300, Jones plus 250. And right now over Circus Sports, we're seeing Davis coming in at minus 180 to come back on Jones plus 155. So Jones getting some love at the betting window. I understand it, man. I mean, this kid is definitely a good young prospect, undefeated, fighting out of the Cage Warriors organization. A lot of his fights were in there, of course. And, and man, I mean, I like what I see in him. He's got powerful hands. He's got a, kind of a relentless pace that he pushes because he, he doesn't seem to gas and he only gets better and stronger as the fight goes on. He's a little bit of a slow starter at times. Um, and what I don't like kind of anything is that he is a little bit too hittable for my liking, but he's a tough guy. He's able to weather that storm. And then, like I said, he just pushes a pace. He wears his opponents down and then a lot of people just get overwhelmed and they can't put up with it. Now that said, he's facing one of the best competitors that he's faced um, in his career thus far. And Mike Davis, obviously, I mean, making the jump to the UFC um, and Davis is a very underrated, I think, competitor personally. I mean, this guy is good losing. I understand 
Gilbert Burns. I mean, you cannot fault him for that. Burns is fighting for the title 170 for crying out loud, right? So, I mean, the UFC has not had an easy path for Davis thus far. Even in the contender series, his loss to Yusuf. I mean, Yusuf is a stud as well. So my point being that Davis is a very good fighter. He's got good hands. He's got explosive power and speed. He's got wrestling to go along with it. So this is going to be an excellent fight. I am going to favor Davis. I think he's going to be a little bit too quick. He's going to be a step ahead of Jones. But I, I am worried about Davis slowing down as the fight progresses a little bit and Jones kind of picking it up like he normally does. I think that's where this fight gets closer and closer as it goes. But early on, I think it should be clear enough that Davis is a little bit a, a step ahead and a better fighter and I think he probably does get the nod so my pick is Mike Davis I think it should be a fun fight um, but I, I can't pick against him in this spot and I'm going to go with uh, Davis as well I, again we're still not quite sure what he's capable of because uh, the two times that he's faced really good elite fighters he did lose uh, back on contender series against uh, Sadiq Yusuf and then the UFC debut against Gilbert Burns. But again, those were really cream of the crop opponents. Um, what we saw when he faced somebody, you know, much lower down the scale in Thomas Gifford, he looked like an absolute world beater. And this guy has heavy, heavy hands. Uh, you know, Mike Davis has, I would say, one of the more powerful strikers in the lightweight division. I mean, he, he is that dangerous. Now, Jones is really talented, and he's making his UFC debut after a really successful run in Cage Warriors that saw him rack up a lot of finishes, a lot of quality performances. So this guy is a very capable offensive striker with a decent ground game, uh, pretty well-rounded. So, And I think this guy has a very bright future at just 25 years old. But uh, Davis hits extremely hard, and from watching uh, Jones fight, he does get hit. Uh, his defense is not quite up to that same level as his offense. So if these guys are trading blow for blow, I think it's J uh, Davis that lands the, the bigger shots and that gets through the defense better. And I think uh, Jones could be getting set up here for his first loss, and I think it could be by knockout. So uh, I think Davis has that little bit of edge in UFC experience, and I think uh, Jones perhaps could get caught with a big shot from Davis. So I'm going to go with Davis picking up a, a knockout victory, and Davis is my pick. Now dropping back down to the bantamweight division, we have Jerome Rivera, who is ten and three, taking on Francisco Figueroa, who is eleven three and one. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmakers' perspective on this one? Rivera open minus 125, Figueredo plus 05. And right now what we're seeing over at Circus Sports, Figueredo the favorite, minus 145, the comeback on Rivera plus 125. So market flipped. Figueredo getting the love and respect, man. I mean, obviously his brother being the flyweight champion does not hurt that cause, but there's a lot of unknowns still. I mean, obviously the training is there. I mean, iron sharpens iron. There's no doubt about it. So this Figueredo has power. He's got capable striking. He he has to, from what I know, and there's not a lot. I mean, that's the bad thing about this fight. I mean, there's a lot to still be determined, I think, and, and got a lot to be proven, I think, with Figueredo. So there's no confidence level here. I think the guy definitely has enough power to make things interesting here against Rivera, especially because Rivera is coming off, unfortunately, a knockout loss and, uh, you know, and, and fighting another powerful type of striker after you're getting um, knocked out like he just did against Nam is not necessarily a good thing, but I still think Rivera is the more well-rounded fighter from everything that I've gathered thus far. And I think that he's capable of winning this fight on the ground if he can get it there. Now, the striking is not going to be um, a blowout either, I think. I think Rivera could sit there and hang with him on the feet as well. It's just, again, the chin and the defense a little bit from Rivera concerns me a bit. But I do think he's the better fighter, and I have to go his way. I think he's going to probably get this fight to the floor eventually, and that's where he's going to have a bigger ground edge, and I think he gets the W here. So not a confident pick because again there's a lot to be determined again from Figueredo I think this is a very good well-matched fight meaning that Figueredo comes in here and beats a solid fighter like Rivera I think he's well on his way and he could get some of that use some of that momentum and you know the improvement that confidence um, that his brother um, has had throughout his UFC career kind of rubbing off on him as well and then I think he could do very well so we'll see this is a big fight for him I think he could do okay but I don't think he gets it done here I think Rivera's probably the side so my pick is Rivera yeah and uh, Figueredo you know, being the, the brother of a UFC champ, you know, that definitely has to give him at least some help in terms of his training. But he is 31 years old here making his uh, UFC debut. And, 
you know, looking through his fight record, he really doesn't have a lot of quality wins. He, he had a lot of time off between fights. Um, he fought, uh, you know, just once in 2018. He fought, uh, just the once in 2019 and it was a draw. And then he didn't fight at all last year before finally fighting, uh, this time around, uh, against Rivera. So, you know, it's just, we haven't seen much of him and what we have seen, uh, there's not really any video of it. So, uh, it's, it's tough to see what this guy's really capable of. If he's as good as his brother, then obviously, you know, he could be really good. But, uh, the times that he has squared off against good fighters, like, uh, you know, Luis Nogueira, Bellator veteran, uh, beat him. John Lineker beat him back in jungle fight. Again, this was a long time ago. Um, and then his most recent guy that he had to draw against, he also lost a split decision against, uh, and this was, uh, you know, the most recent fight was a five round title fight in jungle fight 95. So, uh, Jerome Rivera though, I, I do like this guy. I think that he's talented. I think he's well-rounded. He has a good ground game. He's decent on the feet, but, uh, realistically his biggest strength by far is his ground game. Most of his wins are stoppages by submission. So, um, I think if he screws around on feet, he could get knocked out. Like we saw in his UFC debut against Tyson Nam, um, who, uh, Nam caught him with a right cross and then finished him with uh, some ground strikes. So, He's got to be concerned about that, but if he can drag this to the floor, I absolutely think that he has the ground skills to defeat Figueredo. Um, you know, we've seen him pull off a mounted triangle back in LFA. He's won fights by armbar in LFA. Um, and then, uh, he's fought in, uh, several other smaller promotions, picking up, uh, some rear naked chokes and triangle chokes. So, uh, I do think that Rivera is super talented and still an up and comer. Uh, good size for the division at 5'10 as a bantamweight. So if he can drag this to the floor, I think those long limbs come into play and uh, he can tie Figueredo up in knots. So my pick is going to be Rivera, but if he screws around on the feet, he uh, could get caught. So I'm, and there's just not enough footage to know exactly for sure how good uh, Figueredo is going to be. So I'm picking for Rivera, but very cautiously. Now, moving up to the light heavyweight division, we have Dalcha uh, Lungambula, who is two, uh, 10 and 2, taking on Marcus Perez, who is 12 and 4. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Dalcha opened minus 350, the comeback of Perez at plus 260. And right now, what we're seeing over at Circus Sports is currently Dolce minus 140, the comeback on Perez at plus 120. So everybody's scooping up that Perez plus 260 money, of course, man. This guy definitely has the skill to get this fight done, especially on the ground. But that being said, I like what I see from Dolce. I mean, he, this is a major, major step down in competition. I mean, he just – Dolce was fighting at 205, and he fought against Ankolaev, which is, in my opinion, one of the best – light heavyweights in the world right now so with that said i mean that's not necessarily a bad loss i mean it's kind of to be expected so now he's dropping that weight class and taking on perez which again marcus perez is a very good fighter and i think he's the more well-rounded fighter of the two for sure but stylistically this is probably a bad fight for perez because i don't think he's going to be able to to get this fight to the ground if he can't get it to the ground i think dolce probably hurts him on the feet and maybe gets him out of there so I think this is a good move from Dalsha. I like what I see. Like I said, this guy's a beast. He has a ton of power. I think he has the proper style here to win this fight against Perez. If he could keep off his back or keep from Perez getting around his neck, I think this is a very winnable fight for Dalsha. So despite the early betting odds dropping and, and plummeting like they did, I understand why plus 260 was definitely too high. But right now where the current line is, I think it's probably a Dalsha or pass situation, and I will pick him to win this fight. Yeah, this fight really boils down to how Marcus Perez responds moving up a weight class uh, to 205 from 185, where he's kind of been used to, um, and how uh, Dalcha here responds to uh, Perez's ground game. Because on the feet, you have to favor Dalcha. I mean, this guy is a force to be reckoned with in the stand-up. He is heavy-handed, big, throws big bombs. And uh, Perez, on the other hand... You know, he's coming off of uh, consecutive losses here. Uh, Wellington Terman just outworked him over the course of three rounds. And then, uh, you know, Drickus Duplessis just blasted him with a beautiful left hook to, to put him away in uh, this past October. So uh, moving up a weight class, maybe that'll help with his chin strength, but he's still not that good of a striker. So I would think that 
in a pure stand-up fight, Dalja is probably going to lay him out. Uh, you know, Dalja is just as hard as anybody that uh, Perez has fought. Now, uh, if this goes to the floor, though, I definitely could see uh, Perez finishing Dalja on the ground. Uh, it just does boil down to, can he get it there? Because he doesn't really have that good of offensive wrestling. So uh, for him to get it to the floor, I mean, he's going to have to hope that Dalcha leaves some kind of opening uh, by being over aggressive on the feet, or maybe he hurts Dalcha. You know, Dalcha did get uh, knocked out with a, a front kick by uh, Ankalaev in his last fight. And it was over a year ago. So um, we just don't really know where he's at at this point. Um, he did have several fights get canceled in uh, 2020. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm very interested to see how this one plays out, but uh, I'm going to go Dalcha. I think that he avoids the ground and then uh, knocks out Perez on the feet. Now dropping down to the flyweight division, we have Sue Madarje, who is 13 and four taking on Zaruk Adeshev, who is three and two. Now, Nick, what's the MMA odds makers perspective on this one? Madarje open minus 265 to come back on Adeshev at plus 205. That line did not last. Right now we're seeing Madarje plus or minus 435, excuse me. Madarje minus 435 to come back on Adeshev at plus 350. So minus 265, a lot of people hopping on it. I mean, look, Adeshev got destroyed by Nam in his UFC debut. I got got to be honest with you. I was expecting a lot better. I mean, this one, this guy has K one level striking. Um, he is better than what he showed there for sure. Uh, he just got destroyed. I mean, he just got blasted. He got caught clean. And I mean, hats off to Namford beating him like that, but we haven't seen what this guy's capable of for sure. I mean, he's a striker that transitioned to MMA. So he had to kind of put everything together and work on his MMA game and it's getting there. I mean, you could see the improvements in his game uh, before again, obviously he came to the UFC. So this guy has a lot more potential than he indicated in his debut. And hopefully he comes out here because this has really the potential to be an amazing fight. I mean, two elite level strikers that can put on a great show. I mean, I think Adeshev probably has, the better wrestling and he'll look to take this fight to the floor overall. I know that's kind of crazy to say Madarje is not a fish out of water on the ground, but that's definitely how he struggles against better grapplers in the past. We've seen that time and time again, but the point being, these guys love to stand and bang. These guys are very, like I said, intelligent, high level strikers, and this is going to be fun. I have to pick Madarje. I think he is still overall the better mixed martial artist, but I do expect Adeshev to show up and, and fight better and put on a better performance than he did overall. But he has his hands full. I mean, I do like with Madarje. I think he's a rising star, and I think he does get the W here. Would I lay minus 400? Absolutely not. Um, I think the value is gone. A minus 265 hats off to you guys that grabbed it. But at minus 400, you got to stay away from it at this point. So hopefully Adeshev shows up, puts on a better performance, and it's an exciting fight. If it is, should be fireworks. But my pick is Madarje to get it done. Yeah, that's the one thing I'm worried about is Adeshev came into the UFC with a decent level of hype after performing really well in Bellator and obviously being a, a K1 level striker uh, before that. And it just did not work out. He he got completely flatlined by Tyson Nam um, in just 32 seconds. So we just really didn't get to learn anything about him. Um and now he's facing a guy that is, um, I would say, a more successful striker than Nam has been uh, in uh, Madarje. Uh, Madarje, you know, after losing by armbar in his UFC debut, he has taken on two really good fighters and destroyed them. Uh, he, he was able to beat uh, Andre Sukumtat in his follow-up fight. And then most recently, he obliterated Malcolm Gordon. And Gordon is a talented fighter. And Madarje just lit him up and finished him in 44 seconds. So now Madarje is the guy with the, the hype. And people could be sleeping on Adeshev. Because um, if Adeshev shows up and is the fighter that we thought he was, I mean, this is going to be a really, really interesting and competitive stand-up fight. Um, that being said, uh, you kind of have to go Madarje at this point because he's at least proven it inside the octagon uh, going two and one. Um, so I'm going to go Madarje, but again, I'm a little concerned that uh, we are completely sleeping on Adeshev. And if the, the version of Adeshev shows up that is the K1 elite level striker, he might be able to uh, defeat Madarje in a stand-up fight. So 
Uh, I'm going Monterje, but I'm going to exercise caution here. Do not throw him in parlays or anything crazy just because uh, I think we got negative hype now on Adeshev and we could look pretty silly. Now, moving up to the Bantamweight division, we have Ricky Simone, who is 16-3, and three, taking on Gaetano Perello, who is 15-5-1. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Simone opened minus 285 to come back on Perillo at plus 25. That line did not last either. Right now, we're seeing Simone minus 400 to come back on Perillo at plus 325. Look, I like what I've seen from Perillo. I, I think he, the guy has power he's got skill for sure i just don't think he's on this level like meaning Perello could go out there and out grapple out wrestle and knock people out he's faced decent competition for sure but in this level making your ufc debut against in my opinion i mean it just definitely one of the best fighters i mean on the roster at 135 pounds and simone i mean it's just a hard step up in competition to make so i think simone is better in every aspect of the game the only way Perello can win this fight is by catching him and knocking him out, which is possible because Perello does have that kind of knockout power that all it takes is one punch. And uh, we have seen Simone in the past get blasted and hurt and put out as well. So does Perello have a puncher's chance? Absolutely. But outside of that, I mean, Simone should kind of roll here. I mean, he, like I said, ground game, the striking, everything across the board, Simone is just better, just a higher level. So I'd be surprised if he loses this fight. And again, another spot where you have to be a little bit cautious here. Despite me saying um, Simone is the much better fighter, the line is not minus 285 anymore. Now it's minus 400, and you are dealing with some power on the other side. So be careful here, but I'm going to pick Simone to win. And I'm going to come in the same way. Uh, Simone is a guy that's been in the UFC for a while now and has performed really well, uh, picking up some quality wins over the likes of, you know, Merib Tavalashvili. You know, Montel Jackson, Ronnie Aya, most recently won a decision against Ray Borg. Um, now, obviously, the the loss to Uriah Faber really hurt. Uh, kind of came out of nowhere when he was, you know, ranked almost a top 10 and then dropped another one to Rob Font. But, you know, the Font loss doesn't look so bad now. You know, Font is clearly a top 10 Bantamweight. Um, so I think we, we saw uh, more of what... Uh, Simone is capable of in that Ray Borg fight most recently. You know, this guy can go for 15 straight minutes hard at a high level, high pace, um, has good ground game, good striking. Um, the only thing I'm concerned about is his chin. You know, Faber did hurt him badly and then finish him um, on the uh, with a ground and pound in less than a minute. So uh, Perello, the best thing he has going for him is pure punching power. He has several knockouts. So if he does clip uh, Simone, he could put him away. But other than that, I think Simone outworks him, outpoints him, could submit him on the ground. I think uh, Simone could uh, win a decision on the feet. I think Simone could win a decision with uh, his ground game as well, just if he can't put him away with uh, submissions. So I think this is absolutely Simone's fight to lose. It's just, will he get caught? Um, but I'm going to go Simone. Now, moving up to the middleweight division, we have Omari Akhmedov, who is 25-1, taking on Tom Brees, who is 12-2. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Brees minus 140, Akhmedov plus 120. And right now, what we're seeing over at Circus Sports is currently Brees minus 145, the comeback on Akhmedov plus 125. Market-wide, you're seeing some higher numbers out there on Brees as well. This is kind of tough for me, man. I mean, Brees is definitely the more talented fighter, the more hyped prospect. I mean, the more high expectations for sure. And and he's delivered and he has it. I mean, it's been up and down. I know he only has two losses and they're against very good competition in his career. Um, Brandon Allen, honestly, I mean, I bet Allen against Brees in that fight. I thought stylistically it was kind of a tough matchup and I thought Allen would do well. And, and Allen did, got the W there, but... In a way, it's kind of a disappointing loss, if that makes sense, because I think Reese is supposed to be kind of a level above Allen, so he shouldn't really lose that fight. Not surprised he did, like I said, but in most people's minds, I think that's kind of the train of thought. And then, of course, his uh, you know split decision loss to Strickland earlier um, was kind of a, a, not a bad loss either, because Strickland is highly regarded. So he's right there, man, and he only continues to, to grow and get better like as a fighter, mentally, physically, everything across the board. So, you know, he's filling out. He's definitely put on some more muscle, and I think that he's 
a very technically sound fighter, and he has an advantage over Akhmedov. But that being said, Akhmedov has gotten better in many ways as well. I mean, he was close to winning that fight against Weidman. I mean, if he didn't get taken down in the last round, obviously, and get control there enough, then he probably could have got it done. But that being said, Akhmedov is a threat of the feet. He's got nasty power. He does utilize that wrestling more often now. His conditioning is still spotty at times. I mean, you can't really trust it all the way, but he seems to be doing okay with it and, and you know, getting the job done when he has to and making it to the cards when he has to as well. So if he hits the cards, I think it'll probably be fairly competitive. It could go back and forth. Um, I think Brees is the overall better fighter, though, so it's hard not to pick him because I think Brees can win on the scorecards. Brees could possibly finish, knock out, submit. I mean, across the board, Brees has the ability to, to win this fight. Akhmedov, I think, has possibly the ground advantage as far as, like I said, the pure wrestling, if he could get this fight down to the ground and kind of control him, or pure knockout power that catches Brees and puts him out as well. So in my mind, that's kind of the way it plays out. So I find more passive victory for Brees. So I will pick him. I can't bet on him right now. I think he needs to string together some impressive wins for me. And I mean, and you know, he started off obviously in his last fight, he's on his way, but I think if he could get this job done here and finish Akhmedov, that would definitely sit in higher regard with me. And if you can continue his little momentum and let's see where he goes from here. So the pick is Brees. I'm just not ultra confident in this one either, because I think Akhmedov can definitely give him some problems here. I'll admit I have slept on Akhmedov quite a bit throughout his uh, career. Um, I've always kind of felt that he is a guy that is a strong starter that slows down and doesn't have that great a striking so he can get knocked out. I mean, we've seen him get knocked out. You know, Eliza Zaleski finished him. Um, we've seen uh, Sergio Moraes finish him back in uh, welterweight. And then uh, we've seen uh, him get submitted back in welterweight. But since moving up to middleweight, he has looked like a different guy. Uh, with impressive, uh, decision wins against the likes of, uh, Abdul Razak Al Hassan, uh, Tim Boat, Zach Cummings, Ian Heinish. You know, so this guy is definitely capable. Uh, he even had a draw against Marvin Vittori, who is a, a really top, uh, middleweight. And most recently, you know, he had Chris Weidman in trouble. You know, that fight, it looked like all the momentum was on his side. And then Weidman ended up getting a takedown against him in the third round to, to, to steal it. So, uh, you know, he is definitely not somebody that you should be sleeping on. Uh, Tom Brees, I think is by far the more skilled fighter. He's by, he's a much better striker. Um, he's got the range, the height, the, the size, even though both have formerly fought at welterweight, I think Brees fills out in the division much better. It's just going to boil down to can Brees keep from, uh, getting worn down or being put on his back? Um, Brees, did get TKO'd by Brandon Allen uh, at uh, middleweight back a, a year ago, February 2020. So um, I could see Akhmedov scoring repeated takedowns, wearing Brees down, and then either winning a decision or potentially stopping him from ground and pound. Um, but if Brees can keep this upright, I think he lights Akhmedov up on the feet. Um, the only way Akhmedov really can get things going on the feet against Brees is if he just crowds him repeatedly, really aggressive on the feet. And that's not really his strength. Um, Akhmedov is more, uh, close that distance, try to drag this to the floor and get, get things going. So I'm really interested to see how this plays out. I think it's a really interesting battle, but I'm going to go with the guy that I think has the better overall skill set in Brees. Uh, Brees does have a good ground game too, but uh, I am a little concerned about what happens if he's stuck on his back and isn't able to lock in a submission. So uh, I'm going to go Brees, but I'm definitely nervous about it with the way that Akhmedov fights. Now, moving on to the main card in the featherweight division, we have Lerone Murphy, who is 9-0-1, taking on Douglas Sibade Andrade, who is 26-3. Now, Nick. Where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Murphy, minus 225, Andrade, plus 190. That was the opening line. Right now, what we're seeing over at Circus Sports is Murphy, minus 290. Andrade coming back in at plus 245. So Murphy getting more respect from the betters out there early on. I understand it. Man, the guys look so good in his UFC. A uh, couple UFC fights, I should say, thus far. I mean, before he came to the UFC, there was a little bit of hype about him. But, I mean, the two opponents that he's faced thus far and how he's performed, he's living up to it and beyond it. I think the sky's the limit for this guy. And he's only getting more comfortable and more confident right now. So this is a great 
matchup for him, meaning that it's going to push him and it's going to test him. Andrade is a very underrated fighter. I mean, he's one of my favorite fighters in the featherweight division because he kind of flies under the radar and he's capable of giving high level fighters all they can handle. I mean, if you look at his losses, not too bad, right? He lost to Peter Yan, of course. I mean, you can't really you know, knock him too much for that. He's a champion for crying out loud. And then Font, of course, a title contender as well. So he's had very solid losses and his wins. I mean, his win over Brow, that was very impressive, a former champ. So he's right there and competing at the highest level there is, and he's doing very well. So I like Andrade. I think, again, he flies under the radar and he's going to make this a very difficult fight. It's not going to be a walk in the park for Murphy, but Murphy's improving at such a high pace. And again, with that comfort level, just rising all the time as well. I think Murphy does win this fight and he probably looks pretty impressive doing so. Although I am expecting a very competitive type of fight. So my pick is Murphy. I just don't think Andrade has what it takes to kind of, knock him off that pedestal quite yet, but it should be an exciting fight. And I, I mean, I'm, I love the matchmaking here because I do think that these are two very talented fighters that are getting, you know, pinned up against each other. And I think the winner is going to take a big step forward. So my pick is Murphy. And I like Murphy as well. I mean, this guy is a heavy hitter, strong striking. Um, and we've seen him now uh, take on two really talented opponents and He's looked good against both of them. I mean, he had the, the split decision, uh, or split draw, uh, with a Tahugov, a really top featherweight in his UFC debut. I mean, they really threw him right into the fire and then turns around and takes on a Ricardo Ramos, a guy that had a lot of hype behind him in, uh, the UFC, a guy that was, I believe, favored in that fight. Uh, and he ends up ground and pounding a guy with a really good ground game. So. so uh, I think, uh, you know, Lerone Murphy is legit. Like, this guy is somebody to really keep an eye on in the featherweight division. Now, uh, Douglas Andrade, uh, we kind of know what we get with him. He is a really aggressive, talented striker with some heavy hands, and uh, he's put on some good performances. He's got some quality wins career. You know, this is not a guy you should sleep on either. Uh, he's beat Marlon Vera, a guy that, uh, we now know is one of the better, uh, at least top 15 Bantamweights. Um, and then most recently he did pick up a win over, uh, Hanan Barrow, the former champion. So, um, that being said, I think, uh, his run at Bantamweight wasn't quite as good. Uh, you know, losing to Font, losing to Jan, uh, getting uh, stopped in both of those fights. So we'll see how he performs moving back up to featherweight. Um, I, it won't be nearly as bad of a weight cut for him either, but uh, I still think uh, that Lerone Murphy is the guy that really has the brighter future of the two, um, and uh, I think he hits a little bit harder. I think uh, Andrade can be finished, and um, we did see Andrade also when he fought at 145. He lost it to Hugov, the guy that uh, Murphy drew with. Now, granted, that was a while ago. That was back in uh, 2014, believe it or not. So... Uh, and Andrade also really has been relatively inactive, fighting only maybe once a year or at most twice a year. And he did not fight in all of, uh, 2020. So, uh, it's kind of tough to get a beat on, on him. And he's 35. So I'm going to go with, uh, Murphy. I just think, uh, he's on the rise and, uh, this could be a really nice performance, uh, for him. So I'm going to go with Murphy. I think that he actually could knock Andrade out at some point. Now, dropping down to the flyweight division yet again, we have Tyson Nam, who is 20, 11, and 1, taking on Matt Schnell, who is 14, and 5. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Nam open minus 135. They come back at Schnell plus 05. And right now, what we're seeing over at Circus Sports is currently Nam coming in at... Minus 135, the comeback plus 115. So line margins have tightened up a little bit. And there's a, a overall market-wide, a little bit more love on Schnell. Um, as we get closer to fight day here, I think um, we're starting to see some action balanced out a little bit. And this should be an interesting fight. I mean, both these guys are definitely solid fighters in the Bantamweight division. I think stylistically, this is kind of a tough matchup for Schnell. I mean, Schnell is a well-rounded guy. He is the more well-rounded mixed martial artist. His ground game is so dominant here in this spot, and his strike is actually, actually decent. But the problem is here... I don't think he's going to be able to take Nam to the floor. And if he's not able to take him to the floor, I think Nam's power is going to come through and end up hurting. I mean, to say the least, Schnell probably knocking him out, obviously. So, I mean, coming off of knockout loss before that, though, he was 
on a roll, man, four very impressive wins in the UFC. Um, so there's a lot to like about that. And this guy, like I said, he's got the skill set to finish fights, and he's a very exciting fighter. I just don't think it's going to be this one. I think it's stylistically kind of a tough matchup. So I think it's a NAM or pass situation here. It's a chalk or pass. I mean, not much chalk here, minus 135, but I think that's probably the way to go if you're going to bet this. Not go crazy, but I could see a little bit of value still at NAM at minus 135. So the pick is NAM. I think it's a bad stylistic matchup for Chanel, and it's probably going to show. Now, it's a little tricky here because I do think that Schnell is the more well-rounded fighter of the two and clearly has the better ground game. Um, and Schnell's not a bad striker either. The problem is when Schnell does strike, he tends to get caught. Uh, you saw it happen. Rob Font knocked him out. Hector Sandoval uh, finished him with a ground and pound. And then most recently, after Schnell reeled off four wins in a row in the UFC, uh, he got clipped again. Uh, and finished in the first round by uh, Alexander Pantoja. So um, now he's facing one of the most powerful strikers he's ever faced in Tyson Nam, a guy that has big-time wins over uh, Ali Agotinov, beat him by knockout. Uh, way back in the day, uh, you got to remember the huge uh, performance he had with the first-round knockout of Eduardo Dantes, the former Bellator champion. Um, and then... Most recently, he beat two guys that are actually on this card, finishing them both by knockout, uh, Jerome Rivera and uh, Adeshev. So uh, you know, he is a guy with dangerous, dangerous power. If Schnell stands and trades with this guy, I mean, he is playing with fire. If he can get it to the ground, he's got a chance. Uh, he does have a really good triangle choke. Uh, so even if he's on his back, uh, he's very dangerous. He finished, uh, Smolka, Luis Smolka and Jordan Espinoza by triangle choke. Um, and he also has, uh, a good arm bar. I mean, he is a very, very capable ground fighter. So do not sleep on Schnell's ground game, but fights start on the feet and Schnell is pretty chinny. So, uh, even though Tyson Nam's 37 years old, you know, he's getting a full training camp this fight. He, his last two wins were both pretty short notice. Um, and I think uh, as long as he keeps this fight upright, it's only a matter of time until uh, Nam connects. So I'm going to go with Nam. But again, if Schnell can get this to the floor, it's a whole different fight. But Nam is going to be my pick. Now, sticking with the flyweight division, but switching over to the women's side, we have Roxanne Modafferi, who is 25 and 17, taking on Vivian Araujo, who is 9 and 2. Now, Nick. Where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Arajo minus 225, Matafari plus 190. And right now what we're seeing over at Circus Sports is currently Arajo minus 310, the comeback on Matafari plus 260. Matafari getting fitted. Imagine that. I mean, people just don't like usually betting on Matafari. She's a very good fighter, very talented fighter, always underrated. I mean, I said time and time again how much I respect this girl on the podcast. I mean, she has taken her game to another level in the sport for such a long time, and I think she's never been better. I mean, that tells you how much hard work and discipline she has to get herself where she's at right now. That said, stylistically, this is kind of a tough matchup. Arajo is definitely, I think, the more capable striker here. She's got a good enough ground game to obviously hang with Montefiore on the ground as well. And I think she's got good enough takedown defense to probably keep this thing upright. So I think she cannot point Montefiore, but Montefiore shows up and makes it a fight every time. It's just defensively is what bothers me about Montefiore because she kind of fights a little tall and she's hittable. And then when you do hit her, it shows and she's, she's getting rocked. She's not getting any younger as well. So I think Araja, even though she's not going to overwhelm you with her striking in this spot, it's very good for her to kind of utilize that advantage here. So I do pick a Rajao. I don't think you can lay it. I think at the price, the opening price minus two twenty five. I understand taking a stab at her, but at minus three ten against Matafari, a very proven savvy vet, you got to stay away from this. But the pick is a Rajao. And I'm the same way. Uh, I have been pretty good at picking uh, Matafari's fights, uh, where she's picked up uh, surprising. Uh, defeats again or victories against as an underdog against like Antonina Shevchenko, uh most recently Andrea Andrea Lee. Um and uh I wasn't correct about this one, but uh she did defeat a big time up and comer in a Macy Barber as well. So you know you you really can't sleep on Roxy. She's well rounded. Her striking's improved her ground game is excellent. Um 
but she also does lose uh, against decent fighters as well. So it's it's kind of a hit and miss with her. You know, she's lost to uh, Cesara Eubank. She's lost to Jennifer Maya. She's lost to Lauren Murphy. So um, it's just uh, it depends on the skill set of her opponent. And I think with uh, Vivian Araujo, she is an aggressive striker with heavy hands. So I think even with the improvements that Monteferi's made on the feet, Araujo should definitely get the better of her, if not potentially hurting her or finishing her. And on the ground, uh, Araujo actually comes from a pretty strong grappling background. So if this goes to the floor, I don't see Monteferi having a big edge like she she did against the likes of, you know, Antonina Shevchenko or uh, Barber uh, if she was on top position. So I think uh, overall, you got to side with uh, the up and comer here in Araujo. I think uh, that her hands are going to come into play. I think that she has a decent chance of not just winning, but maybe uh, finishing Roxanne. So my pick is going to be Araujo. Now... Moving up to the light heavyweight division, we have Ike Villanueva, who is 16 and 11, taking on Vinicius Moreira, who is 9 and 4. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Villanueva opened minus 150, the comeback of Moreira at plus 130. And right now, what you're seeing over at Circus Sports is Villanueva minus 135, Moreira at plus 115. Another spot where dog getting a little bit more action. I get it. I mean, I think Moreira is definitely the more well-rounded fighter. Obviously, he's got a huge ground edge, but can he get it there before he probably gets lit up on the feet by Villanueva? Now, Villanueva, I mean, coming to the UFC, one of those kind of savvy vets has been around for a long time. I'm glad he got the opportunity to to come in and you know fight in the biggest and best organization in the world. He deserves it. He's been in the sport for so long, but I mean, coming off you know, two devastating losses like he did. And now fighting a ground guy here. I mean, obviously the, the blueprint is clear. Keep this fight upright and try to outstrike and knock this guy out. Marrera has been knocked out, you know, and obviously not his last fight, but a couple fights before that, his last fight was a submission loss to Craig, but he did lock, uh, get knocked out by Metafield and Anders, two heavy hitters as well. And I think Villanueva, even though he's not at that level, he's also a heavy hitter sort of speak. And I think he can, if he can keep this fight upright, which he does have decent takedown defense, probably good enough to do so here. He probably can knock him out. So I'm going to pick Villanueva, not a confident pick either, because honestly, these guys are both borderline as far as being on the roster. So take that for what it's worth. No disrespect intended. It's just the truth. So, um, I mean, you got to be careful with um, guys at this level, because like I said, the borderline kind of being bumped down to the regional circuit. And I think that a loss here from either guy does that for him. So this is a big, important fight. They got to get the win. I'm going to pick Villanueva. Let's see how it plays out. The main thing I'm surprised about with this fight is that it's taking place so late in the card on the main card. Even I guess people expect there to be an exciting finish, but other than that, you've got a guy that's 0-2 in UFC taking on somebody that's 0-3 in the UFC and, all three time, all five times that they've lost, they've been finished. I mean, honestly, this should be the curtain jerker, not, you know, the last fight before the co-main event. Um, but regardless, you know, Villanueva is a longtime savvy veteran, uh, kind of a journeyman in the light heavyweight division. Pretty good striker, has some power. Um, Marrera, on the other hand, is a veteran of the, the regional Brazilian scene and has a very dangerous ground game. He has not been able to get that going in the UFC. Uh, he, he did win by triangle choke back on contender series, but since coming to the UFC, it's been three straight first round stoppage losses. Uh, Alonzo Menafield knocked him out. Then Eric Anders knocked him out. And then most recently, Paul Craig choked him out. So, uh, you know, None of these guys have had success so far, but from what we've seen, Marrera is super chinny, and if he cannot get this to the floor, I think Villanueva probably knocks him out, because Marrera cannot hang with uh, anybody that has decent striking, and he's chinny, so if he doesn't drag this to the floor, it should be over quick. But if he gets Villanueva down, maybe something happens, because Marrera does have a good ground game. It's just, can he use it? And I just don't think he can. So I'm going to go with uh, Villanueva, but um, he might make me look really stupid if uh, for some reason this goes to the floor. But Villanueva will be my pick. 
Now, drop to the welterweight division for the co-main event of the evening. We have Warley Alves, who is 13-4, taking on Munir Lazez, who is 10-1. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Lazez minus 115, Alves minus 115. That was the opening line, and right now what we're seeing over at Circus Sports is... Lazez minus 220, the comeback on Alves plus 190. So obviously Lazez getting bet up pretty decent here. I think it's the right side, to be honest with you. I mean, he has to weather that early storm. Alves is extremely dangerous. Obviously, throughout his career, has faced better competition, and there were high expectations for him, but he just hasn't delivered, man. And I mean, it's his gas tank that kind of lets him down at times. It's his fight IQ sometimes as well, but make no mistake, he's got power on the feet. He's got capable striking, obviously, to give Lazez fits here. Um, and then, of course, that nasty guillotine that he has. But Lazaz is obviously the better fighter, in my opinion, like the more steady, the more um, conditioned and the longer and the more capable striker here in this spot. I mean, if he can weather that early storm around one, it's going to be a clear, clear turnaround. And, and I think he could even I'm not saying he's going to lose round one. I think he could do very well there, too. But I think it definitely when it hits round two, round three, if it gets that far, then he's got a bigger advantage and he gets it done. So my pick is Lazaz. I understand why people came in and bet him as well. I think, you know, the future is bright. I mean, his UFC debut against a very solid opponent was very impressive to say the least. And I think he continues that uh, momentum here and it's another W. So the pick for me is Lazaz. And I like Lazaz as well. Now, uh, Warley Alves is always going to be very dangerous early in a fight. Uh, he has heavy hands, good power, and uh, a really dangerous ground game probably one of the better guillotine chokes in the UFC. I mean, he did tap Colby Covington with it. Uh, so, you know, he, you know that this guy is uh, capable of pulling a fish. That being said, uh, the biggest thing that has gone against uh, him his entire career is that he's a strong starter, but he fades. It happens all the time. It happened in his loss to Brian Barbarina. Then Kamaro Usman dominated him. Uh, more recently, uh, he got TKO'd by James Krause and then triangle choked by Randy Brown, both in the second round. Uh, but that being said, he is still, uh, capable, you know, he, uh, so he's got power. Um, you saw it with the knockout of Sergio Moraes. Uh, you saw it with uh, the doctor stoppage against, uh, Aliyev. So he's capable, but, uh, against somebody like Lazez, I just don't see it happening unless he can get this to the floor because on the feet, Lazez is just styling on Abdul Razak Al-Hassan on the feet in his UFC debut. He looked like an absolute beast. Um, I was really, really impressed with what I saw out of him. And if he can control distance like that against Alves, I think Alves is in big, big trouble because unless Alves drags us to the floor immediately and goes to work with some submissions, I think Lazez just outpoints him over the course of three rounds and probably finishes him in the second or third round as Alves starts to slow down and get frustrated. So Lazez is going to be my pick unless Alves can drag this to the floor quickly. Now, moving on to the main event of the evening and sticking with the welterweight division, we have Michael Chiesa, who is 16 and 16-4, on Neil Magny, who is 24-7. Now, Nick, what's the MMA odds? Maker's perspective on this one. Magni opened minus 150. Chiesa opened plus 130. Right now at Circus Sports, we have minus 125 for Magni to come back on Chiesa at plus 105. Market wide, you're going to see some 135s, 140s out there. Um, we're a little bit lower there. You know, stylistically, I think this is a definitely a tough fight for Magni. I know Magni deserves all the respect that he's getting right now because the guy's been on a phenomenal run. I mean, what more can you say? A true professional across the board. I mean, the way he trains, his fight IQ, I mean, the way he's able to adapt, utilize that length and, and just his well-rounded skill set. The guy's constantly trying to get himself better and it's, it's shown time and time again. I mean, on the feet, he's obviously the much better fighter than Kiesa. I mean, in space, he's going to be able to pick Kiesa apart. Um, I don't think Kiesa is much of a threat. He does have a little bit of power there, of course. He is improving his striking, but Magny definitely has the advantage on the feet. On the ground, Magny, Magny not a fish out of water. I mean, he definitely has some decent wrestling, capable of obviously taking his opponent's uh, back, slowing him down, 
getting some takedowns and just kind of outgapping his opponents as well. But that's where the kryptonite is, in my opinion, in this fight. Kiesa has the better wrestling, yet he has the better grappling, I think, as a whole. So if he's able to get this fight to the floor and utilize what in the past has been Magny's kryptonite and is getting submit- submitted and taken down by high-level grappler like Sanyos, uh, for example, or like a Damian Maya. Again, those are two high-level grapplers, especially Maya is one of the best grapplers we've ever seen in the sport, for crying out loud. But RDA is no fish out of water, obviously, in that aspect either. So against high-level grapplers, he has had trouble. And I think yes, kind of fits that mold, meaning that his wrestling so dominant, his submission game is so dominant that he could definitely give Magni fits. I think it's one of those cases where Magni has to kind of weather that early storm. And if he can weather the ground with Kessa early, he's going to turn around this fight and probably has a chance to win and maybe even finish Kessa as the fight progresses a little bit. So Magni could definitely outpoint him, but I think Kessa gets this down to the ground and probably finds a submission here. So for me, I think it's a dog or pass situation and I like the stylistic matchup for Kessa. He's been performing really well. I mean, he does have those moments that he does let you down at times. And if you look back, I just had some head scratchers. I mean, I, in my opinion, I don't think he should have got, even though Pettis has a great submission game and we've seen him catch other people in the past, of course. I mean, Kiesa shouldn't kind of lose that fight or that Kevin Lee fight was crazy as well. Again, high level competition, um, the stylistic matchups, whatever the case may be. But I just think he, he could do better than losing in those spots um, the way he did lose those fights, at, at least in my opinion. But that said, he redeemed himself, got three straight solid victories and I think he could get a fourth one here the way he matches up with Magny so my pick is Kisa. I think he does get it done so I think that'll open up a lot of eyes and we'll see where he goes from here but I think this is definitely a capable win for him here yeah I mean this really just boils down to can Michael Chiesa get this to the ground and finish Neil Magny because this is a five-round fight which Magny just specializes in I mean this guy can go um, he has an unlimited gas tank. He has a history of just wearing opponents down and then putting them away. And um, the one thing, though, is Magni has been a little bit susceptible to people with really good ground games. Um, you look at throughout his career and historically, um, I mean, dating all the way back to one of his first fights in the UFC back in 2013, even uh, Sergio Moraes was able to uh, choke him out. Um, then you move all the way up to 2015, Damian Maya choked him out. And then most of his more recent losses, arm triangle choke to Rafael Dasanos. So, um, yes, Magni also is a little chinny, but I'm not really wor- that worried about that, uh, against somebody like Hiesa, who is not a particularly great striker. Um, what's really interesting to me though is that as good as Kiesa is on the ground, and that absolutely is his specialty, is uh, the his submission ability, um, Kiesa's actually been submitted three, three times in the UFC. So if, uh, you know, if Kiesa can't get things going, he could slow down. And I think Neil Magny being the better wrestler here, being by far the better striker, um, I have to favor Magny. Um, because unless Kiesa kind of take Magni out in the first two rounds, I think he's going to start to slow down and Magni will just take over. And Neil Magni has the, the longest reach of anybody in the welterweight division by a significant margin. And this guy is really starting to have a great jab. And I can see him just pop, 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 just blasting Kiesa with that jab and really flustering him. Um, Kiesa is going to have to close the distance and drag Magni to the ground repeatedly. And if he can do that early, then he's got the chance. But the second he starts to slow down, Magni's going to pounce. So, uh, and Magni's been fighting at a very high level late recently. You know, he returned from that two year layoff almost or a year and a half and has racked up quality win after quality win over a Jingling Lai, um, Anthony Rocco Martin and Robbie Lawler. So, uh, you know, honestly, I feel like the Kiesa fight is almost a slight step down from some of the people that he's been beating recently. So, uh, Kiesa is also fighting well and is coming off of a really impressive wins over, over Rafael Dasanos. But I just think that as long as Magni doesn't get finished in the first two rounds, this is his fight to lose. So, uh, and I think it's, it's tough to, to have to, bet on somebody to get a finish 
And while Magni is finishable because, you know, he's a little bit chinny and, uh, you know, can be submitted, uh, I think that Magni can fend Kiss off and, uh, take over as this fight moves on, moves on. So I think, uh, not only could Magni win a decision, but Magni could, uh, finish Kiesa in the, the championship rounds. So my pick is going to be Neil Magni. I'm trusting in that elevation training he does out of Colorado and I'm trusting in his size and length and helping to keep Kiesa at distance and flustering that ground game. So Magni is going to be my pick. So that'll do it for a full event round UFC Fight Island 8. If we have any free plays to give out, make sure to follow at MMA OB Premium on Twitter first because that's where we'll post them. Um, you can also check out the free bet section on MMAOddsBreaker.com on the tab on the top uh, top tab. Uh, AJ uh, AJ's bets has some free bets available right now. Remember, check out all of our top elite handicappers on MMA Oddsbreaker Premium. Good luck, everyone, and hopefully the betting gods are on your side this weekend.